0: Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is Five O Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know.
1: Welcome inside the Phoenix Five O show brought to you by Bonneville here at the Public Affairs Bureau at the Phoenix Police Department. We are coming to you from downtown Phoenix, 620 West Washington, Phoenix Police Headquarters. I'm your host, Ryan Cody, alongside, as always, uh, Lieutenant Vince Lewis. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Yeah, and we got a great show for you today as we're going to be talking about Operation Summer Shield. Before we get into that, we want to introduce Sergeant Rob Shearer, who's here, a uh, representative here from the Public Affairs Bureau. This has kind of been your baby in terms of the messaging for getting a lot of this stuff out. So let, let's start first, Sergeant, with what is Operation Summer Shield?
0: So Operation Summer Shield was uh was first implemented through our chief's office sent out to each precinct and our resource lieutenants kind of a specialized lieutenant within each precinct kind of took uh, took ownership of it within their their parameters their their precincts um, it was originally designed as a, a warrant roundup, but they kind of had a modern kind of spin to it to enhance basically the results and what kind of impact they could have on on the uh, the community you know that each of their precincts serve so um, You know it spanned a five-day period June 5th through June 9th there was over seven weeks of preparation and planning which which resulted in in the success of it there's no doubt that that seven weeks in identifying not only who they were going to go after what violent offenders with felony warrants they were going to you know uh, identify as as potential people that they wanted to go arrest but also most active areas in their precincts that have uh, that have seen a rise in violence in recent months They were going to go into those neighborhoods and try to locate those individuals that that were causing such violence. So, Now,
2: Rob, you've been around for a while, uh, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started uh, the show, but you said that this was different than an old-school warrant roundup. Right. Can you describe both and how they're different?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been involved in in several warrant roundups. Traditionally, you know, each of the partners will get together, and in this case, there was partners from every entity, from local all the way up to federal partners. Um, In those styles, each partner if you will will get assigned a certain amount of people to go after Um, and and their job is to go collect collect as many arrests as they can in that group you don't really span outside of that group your your goal for that group is that set of uh, you know quantified people there was an element of that there was over 200 people that were identified and dispersed throughout each precinct uh, depending on where geographically they they believe they resided Um, but it wasn't held to just that standard
1: what i'm hearing from you and a lot of what you're saying is Parts of the crime reduction plan that we just rolled out with with Chief Michael Sullivan. And you're talking about dangerous areas um, or areas of focus, I guess Mm -hmm. I should say, Um, you know, holding people accountable who have warrants, things of that nature. So I imagine that this all runs together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's kind of wild how it mirrored many elements of not only the crime plan itself or the crime reduction plan itself, but how it was built. Um, you know, that plan was built to disperse to each of those precincts and have those precincts identify exactly how they can support the plan and be successful within the plan. This was done the same way. Um, they identified ways that they were going to attack the most violent offenders each, in each precinct that was sent out to each resource lieutenant. Those resource lieutenants identified ways within their areas and spans of control to do exactly that.
2: So I mentioned before I came from uh, the Fusion Center where a lot of our federal partners were housed with us on the site. I had some great working relationships with those. But you, Rob, you were also a part of a federal task force. Is that correct? Yes. And how was
0: that? Um, you know, it's essential in operations like this and in any kind of larger scale investigation, if you will. Um, I was part of the violent crimes task force with the FBI, and it's um it was a very unique assignment coming from, you know, I guess the standard cop world, but um, it's essential in, in operations like this. We need every partner, especially in times where personnel for us and, and every agency for that matter um, is limited. These, these partners are force multipliers. These partners are people that can take work that needs to be done within the city. They're there to help us, help our citizens, help our communities, and that's exactly what they do by, by kind of enhancing and multiplying what, what we can do and personnel we have.
2: Can you say who these partners are? Can you tell us?
0: Yeah, we had partners stemming from almost every federal entity and, and prosecution elements. Um, for prosecution, we had both the Maricopa County Attorney's Office and the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, both on board. U.S. Attorney's Office will take some, some federal crimes from some federal cases that usually in this case will stem from weapons violations that may have enhanced sentencing through federal prosecution. Um, we had the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, which was huge for the booking portion Um, And, you know, uh, going out and attempting to arrest some of these targets. Um, And then we had the Department of Public Safety, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives Units, FBI, um, HSI helped, the Marshals helped, Drug Enforcement um, Administration helped, literally almost every federal partner you can think of was involved. And then throughout, it it was nice to have the prosecution element, which now that's kind of in their world. We went out, collected as many arrests and as many cases as we could to impact violence, you know, future violence, potential violence in the future. And now they've done an incredible job at, at not only we're, we're arresting them, but they're housing them and keeping them in to ensure that, that these potential violent Offenders aren't going to reoffend when they're outside.
1: Huge, because these are people who we already know have shown the propensity to commit violent crime. We're aware of that, so to yes. get them off the street could hopefully prevent crime yes. in the future that we'll never be able to quantify, right? Because we we don't know what they're going to do. Um, I'm reading 580 arrests yes. um, collectively by the partners involved here, and forgive me, I'm going to ask a question that maybe uh, is <laughs> more of a civilian type question mm-hmm. here for you, but. 580 arrests uh, as part of this whole thing. What are the challenges in making this happen outside of some kind of, you know, Operation Summer Shield? Like, why doesn't this happen on a normal basis? Why do you need something like this to happen in order to make all these arrests go down?
0: I think it shows exactly what having partners and force-multiplying what you do and your goals and what you set out to do does. Um, this operation was built to go arrest as many violent offenders as you can. You know, of those 580 plus arrests, over 230 had a history, a criminal history of violence showing, you know, to, to law enforcement, that's what we deem violence potential. And we make a lot of decisions off based off of that when we encounter people. Um, you can't quantify what happens in the future. But I think you could theorize easily that arresting over 230 individuals, whether it was for felonies or misdemeanors at that time, you're thwarting off future violence. I mean, again, you can't quantify it, but I think it's easy. I think it's a it's an assessment you can easily get to.
2: So going on for these hundreds of arrests of these violence, uh, the most violent of the violent in our community, taking them off the street, preventing future crimes, let's just kind of walk through what it takes uh, to use intelligence to lead you to one person. Let's just say I want to find this one person who I know committed a particular crime in a particular neighborhood. What? How do you begin work the the, the intel packet, let's just call it? Before uh, we even go out and start looking for them
0: yeah I mean that's that's kind of the modernization of this whole thing I mean there's elements of the standard where do you live where does your ID say you live you know who's your who's your mom who's your who's your family who's your girlfriend who's your boyfriend husband wife stuff that you know generally through law enforcement those are kind of the places we would start but there's so many other elements that go into social media um, you know, other places where you've been contacted by other agencies. And again, that's where the benefit is, you know, having these, these other partners involved. Um, We each have our, our index of information, if you will, and bringing everything together. I mean, in these operations, your intelligence packet on each individual is wildly, it's vast. It's, it will give you so many options of, hey, you can start here where he listed or she listed her, his or her arrest, but here's, option A, B, C, D, all the way through, where usually we'd end up with two or three, you know, again, going back to the standard warrant roundup, if you will. So you Um, find
2: that person, you uh, have the right, once they're under arrest, to go through their things. You're pulling out leads and evidence that pretty much uncovers new crimes. And if they're standing next to somebody who just happens to be the next person on the list, well, that's another arrest. So you're talking about additional crimes that are now being generated from these particular um, directed searches right
0: yeah absolutely and it wasn't just these those identified people that they went after these intelligence packets it was areas and focus and yes they went to to you know the most active areas of each precinct to contact people to attempt to find those people you know causing the the, the rise of violence you know recently and they went off very recent standards but yeah i mean you're going to go into when you have search into incident to arrest, you have the right to go in and search their person. You're going to find elements of other crimes, whether it's drug use, whether it's guns, which, again, ties back to our crime reduction plan, right. um, which was another huge impact, I think, which came out of this this, uh, this week was how many cases and how many guns were taken off. It's pretty outstanding.
1: So we've tackled a little bit of the, the who and the what and really the why. What is it about the when? Operation Summer Shield, is there something from your perspective, um, both Sergeant and Lieutenant, about the summertime? Do do more crimes get committed this time of year? And why did we decide to do this now?
0: So I don't have a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't I I wouldn't be able to say there's more calls for service. There's more crime. I will say just in my 20 year career, it's been um, it's been perceived as there's more violence, if you will. There's not necessarily more crime, but there's more incidents that's going to take more time. I have My my background's traditionally in investigations. When I was in the Violent Crimes Bureau, I responded to more scenes, crime scenes that I'm going to now investigate from beginning to end. There were more within the summer months. That's just how we trended. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are going to cause more officers to not be able to respond to calls, and it just backs up even more and more. So I don't know if there's more calls for service, if you will, Back in the patrol days, there was more, there was always more calls for service holding. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, I don't have the data to, to say it, but perception, at least from my perspective, is you're going to have an uptick of violence. And that's where going out at the beginning of summer doing this to lead to a reduction in that later on in the summer and in, in the next few months is huge. Yeah,
1: that's that's interesting from my perspective. I didn't mean to put you on the spot with with numbers and anything. But, you know, we live in Phoenix where obviously the summertime is kind of the time where it's not so comfortable outside, you right. know, it was like you're in another part of the country where there's a winter and all of a sudden it makes sense why there'd be more people out and about committing crimes in the summertime because the weather's nicer. That's like the opposite here. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that you would see more calls for service uh, when it's 100 degrees out as opposed to when it's 75.
2: Yeah, when, you, when we I'm sure when they went into the planning, they figured, OK, let's start with the violence potentials and those individuals who uh, had committed those violent acts by proximity or at least by, you know, chronology, the closest to when those crimes occurred and the best leads that we have and the most likely we are to actually find those people. But again, the additional crimes that you uncover, the layers, when you start peeling back those layers of just that particular contact, you're going to start to have a lot more of those uh, crimes, you know, uncovered. We're not talking about responding to more calls now. With Operation Summer Shield, this was an intelligence-led and uh, data-driven, project. So we yeah. kind of knew going into it what we were looking for and just, I guess, you know, got lucky and uncovered more more crime to investigate, yeah. right?
0: Significantly more. I mean, they, they have 21 new open cases, you know, revolved around prohibited possessors, which ties back into that crime plan. Every gun that was seized in this operation, which there's over 40, every gun was in the hands or in possession of a prohibited possessor, which is which is unfathomable, I mean, usually you're gonna find someone that's not necessarily prohibited possessor and we're gonna impound that for safekeeping. You can, they can go, their safekeeping, they can go get that later. Um, not one of those, that was not the case in any gun that was taken off in this operation, which is, um, will impact. I mean, that's one of the big things over the last few years that we're trying to do and is, is one of the main focus points and focus areas of the new crime reduction plan.
1: Uh, you kind of led me into my, my last question and we got about a minute or so left here. Um, maybe there's someone at home with a warrant that's listening to this and they're like, ha, missed me. Oh, uh, where do we go from here? Right. Because like, we're not done looking for those folks out there. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, we're not done every day. We have units specifically identified to go locate people that are wanted, whether it's OV probable cause arrests or with outstanding warrants. Um, we do need community engagement in this. We need elements, you know, silent witnesses there. The Phoenix police department is there. We'll take, information. Just because it may not be some hugely violent crime that they're wanted for, doesn't mean they're not staving off future violent crimes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that. Criminal history determines a lot of that. So even if it's it's a warrant for something that isn't that, I think, you know, community engagement is something that would really lead to you know, their community being safer. Yeah, and that's and, how the
2: community gets involved and potentially gets paid by calling in these tips to Silent Witness.
0: Yeah, so good police work going
1: on here very clearly. Uh, we appreciate your time, Sergeant Shearer, for for heading this whole thing up. Uh, as always, Lieutenant Lewis, thanks for your time. And Absolutely. we hope everyone has a great day.
0: You've been listening to 5 info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.